Welcome to Rainy Day Rabbit Holes, a uniquely Pacific Northwest podcast. I'm Shay. And I'm Jody. We live in the Pacific Northwest. And we love the Pacific Northwest. On each episode, we will take you on a journey through the quirky, mysterious, and fascinating stories of the Pacific Northwest. So grab your North Face jacket, strap on your Tevas, and grab that cup of coffee, preferably Northwest brewed. And let's let's fall down the rabbit hole. Hey, Jody, you're a big hiker, right? Absolutely. So when you're hiking, do you ever wonder what's hiding in the woods? No, but on purpose. (laughs) Do you ever think that you're being spied on by a Bigfoot? I have, but I refuse to go there. Do you think that there might be a dead body down that hill? Oh, God. Only when I see garbage bags. (laughs) (laughs) Do you ever wonder if you'll make it out alive or if you'll be abducted by aliens? No. (laughs) I refuse. (laughs) Well, what if I told you that all of those things might be possible at one of the Pacific Northwest's most magnificent national parks? Crater Lake National Park. What? That's on my bucket list. Well, on today's episode, we're going to explore its history and its mysteries. Okay. Okay. I'm going to buckle up. All right. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Here we go. So imagine yourself in Southern Oregon, 7,700 years ago, what is now conifer dominated, which means pine trees. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Was... Perhaps once grassland with like juniper type bushes. Oh, really? You know, juniper mm-hmm, berries mm-hmm, make mm-hmm. gin. Yeah, yeah. I had, <laughs> You've had, I had several of those juniper bushes in my uh, uh, one of my former homes. They're mm-hmm. sticky and smell I hated good. them. Oh, I but hated they smell them. Good. No, I didn't think so at all. <laughs> well, it was likely also much cooler than it is today. The Klamath people, who perhaps had been here as far back as 10,000 years ago, were the main tribe in this area. Mount Mazama dominated the Cascade Mountain Range here with its majestic head more than 12,000 feet high, which is still shorter than Mount Rainier, by the way. Oh, wow. That's over 14,000 feet high. The trending fashion at this time would have probably been clothes made out of cedar bark. Oh, Maybe like a nice cedar bark dress. Wait, do you get slivers from that? No, I think that they like shred it. Oh, got it. It's like soft. But then also maybe had like a nice cloak made out of fur and skin. Oh, fur. Not We've surpassed the fig leaf. Because it's cold. We've moved on. Oh, I see. Different region. It's Southern Oregon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Fig leaf for the South. Yeah, yeah. Fur, fur muff. Exactly. (laughs) Fur muff. muff. (laughs) Well, you got to grow that fur muff. (laughs) All right. (laughs) The Klamath people told tales of Lao, the spirit of the above world, who lived in Mount Shasta, which is Northern Uh California. Uh Lao would often- Also another bucket list place for me, Shay. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You've not been to Mount Shasta yet? I've driven by several times. Okay. Through. Through. I've seen it. You know what's near Mount Shasta? Weed, California. Uh (laughs) (laughs) We're not going to say why. That's special. Anyway, let's go. All right. (laughs) Because of dandelions. We like dandelions. I really like weeds. Dandelions are good for inflammation. Sure. Dandelion tea. All right. Okay, moving on. Um, (laughs) Hi there. It's Shay. 
Uh, I just need to insert a little correction here. As you can tell, we were a little loopy at this recording and I apparently got my notes a bit mixed up. So for clarity, because this has gotten really confusing, Lao was the spirit of the below world and lived below Mount Mazama. He was not the spirit of the above world and live on top of Mount Shasta. He lived below Mount Mazama. He would sometimes hang out on the top of Mount Mazama. It was Skell, who was the spirit of the above world, who hung out on top of Mount Shasta. Okay, so we've cleared that up. I'm sure I'll get something else wrong, but back to this ridiculousness. I cannot believe you screwed that up. <laughs> shame, shame. Lau would often stand on the top of the mountain, and one day he spotted Loa, daughter of the chief, and he wanted her as his wife because she was hot. Lau and Loa. Loa. Loa wanted nothing to do with the ugly spirit. A lot of the things I read said like that he was unattractive. <laughs> so Lau was an ugly. He was an in ugly, appearance. Yes, ugly spirit, and he was the the like king of the below world. The what world? Below world. Below. Below. I thought you said blow. Blow. <laughs> or. <laughs> For uh, those who don't see this because podcasting is an audio format, she was making the universal blowjob symbol <laughs> with the tongue in the cheek and everything. Also, I did the cocaine snort symbol. So I wasn't well, we sure which it. one. I wish. <laughs> All right. Okay. We got to move on. We're like t- t- less than 10 minutes in. Okay. Whew. All right. Lao, the lord of the underworld, the below world, had the hots for Loa, who was the daughter of the chief, who's also, she was super hot, apparently. I'm just Wait, putting that in there. she's not a spirit. No, she's the, just the daughter she's of the chief. She's a real person. Yes, okay. exactly. She has standards, okay? Mm-hmm. Also, yeah, well, uh, she is royalty. Right. Uh, he's also the lord of the below world. Like, ew. Okay. I don't know. I want a lord <laughs> of the below world. I know. You know? <laughs> Okay, we just discussed how we need to make this family friendly (laughs) and serious. (laughs) And I have blown that up multiple times. And how can I cut this stuff out? It's podcasting gold. Okay, let's go on. All right, so Lau became angry and he swore vengeance upon the Klamath people and attempted to destroy them with fire. The tribe fled into the safety of Upper Klamath Lake and called Mm. upon the spirit of Skell to help them. So Skell was the lord of the above world, and he would often hang out on the top of Mount Shasta. So he descended from the top of Mount Shasta and began to throw red-hot rocks at Lao, who returned to the barrage in kind, causing great landslides and a terrible darkness to cover the area for days. Skell drove Lao deep into the below world and collapsed the top of Mount Mazama to imprison him forever. To cover the dark pit, he filled it with beautiful blue water. That was one telling of the Klamath legend about how Crater Lake in southern Oregon near Klamath Falls was created. Almost 8,000 years ago, this force of nature began to shake. Heat and pressure began to build, resulting in a massive, devastating... Orgasm. Oh, oh I was going to say, er, he is good below. He is good below. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a climactic event, a.k.a. an eruption. It sounds so dirty. All right. This eruption destroyed the summit, reducing its height by approximately a mile. Much of the top of the mountain collapsed into a magma chamber, creating a massive caldera 
And this, my friends, is the birth of Crater Lake. According to... Well, stuff I read on the internet. Right, 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 right. No, the the which tribe was this? Klamath. The Klamath, yeah. There were other tribes in the area, but Klamath appears most, so we're going with them for now. Right. Okay. And and like I was saying, there is evidence that they were in this area over 10,000 years ago. Which the is, Klamath. Yes. Wow. Yes. So it's crazy. That You know, that is crazy to have that set, that kind of sustainability, 10,000 years, and then the Europeans show up and goodbye. Right. Poof. Bye. Well, well do they have a casino now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We ha- I haven't been to Klamath. That's, is that the sign of sustainability as a tribe of mm, have a casino? I, oh, that's I terrible, have, Shay. Have, no, no, no. I have Native American family members. And, it's, and then I've also studied Native Americans during nursing school and while this does bring them income, it also brings what casinos bring. Yeah, it's not it's not good. I'm mm-hmm. I'm being very lighthearted and terrible. I do apologize. <laughs> I'm not trying to they be become, little they become the casino patrons as much <sighs> as they benefit from the casino yeah. income. Yeah. Now the aftermath of this cataclysmic event mm-hmm. sounds sexy wasn't an immediate formation of the pristine lake we see today. Over the centuries, rain and snow began to fill the caldera, forming what we now know as Crater Lake. Post-caldera eruptions within a few hundred years constructed a series of small lava domes on the caldera floor, including the partially submerged Wizard Island cinder cone. So when you see Crater Lake, it's not just like a perfectly smooth lake. There's a couple of little landforms that stick up out of it, and most of those are little magma chambers. They're little cinder cones. Is is that what a cinder cone is, a magma chamber? Sure. Let's go with that, because I'm a geologist as (laughs) well as a historian. I I know. I'm a pro. so freaking We're so pros. The eruption of Mount Mazama seriously impacted the ecosystems of Central Oregon. Many areas were rendered uninhabitable by humans for centuries. So imagine like it's being covered, the area is being covered with ash and toxic gas. So that's going to put a damper in your hunting and gathering, Which right? part, the, the gas or the ash? Both. <laughs> <laughs> Gradually, Plants began to reestablish themselves, and new plant species that were better adapted to the ash and pumice-derived soils soils, began to dominate the landscape. But what truly makes Crater Lake exceptional is its unique shade of blue. Have you seen it? Uh Have you been there? No, I've not been there. I've seen it only in pictures and always wanted to go there for probably 20 years now. Question for you, when does this all creation happen? When does this this, uh, volcano happen that creates this crater? That was almost 8,000 years ago. Okay, so long, 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 long time ago. Okay. The deep blue color of Crater Lake is a result of its incredible depth and the purity of the water. So there are no bodies of water like rivers or streams or anything that come into Crater Lake. So there's nothing to disturb the soil and bring in sediment and impurities. It is a thing unto itself. Wow. So it just freezes up. Water rains. Water comes into it. Snow melts into it. But But there are not streams or rivers dumping into it. It is a volcanic crater. It is is a crater. It's not just a lake. The depth is almost 2,000 feet. Holy cow. Half a mile. It is the deepest lake in the United States. Wow. Crazy. It's the deepest lake in the United States. That's what I read online, and we're going to go with that. And it's not fed with anything. Nope. Just wow. snow, water, and rain. The lake's clarity is also, it's just astounding, with visibility reaching up to 120 feet on a clear day, which is pretty uh, amazing. In the water? Yeah. So you can see in down to 120 feet. Uh, can I 26 even, feet. 
see 120 feet like that's crazy that's where that's amazing like straight ahead even you know what i mean like right (laughs) down into the water that's insane i guess i can see 120 (laughs) if you think about it but still (laughs) crater lake's beauty is a thing of marvel but we also have to recognize the cultural significance of this for the indigenous peoples of the region so the eruption of Mount Mazama was a huge cataclysmic event for the people that lived in this area at the time. I mean, you can imagine this just changed their lives completely. So especially for the Klamath tribe. For them, Crater Lake is a sacred place with deep spiritual connections. The lake is considered a place of power because remember, this was a fight between two gods, right? This was the below world god and the above world god mm-hmm. competing. And it was created and because of this battle and the below world god lives right below the lake. Like at the bottom Some, of the lake or under the dirt He lives of the underneath lake. the caldera. Okay. So some legends state that the lake is a doorway to the below world. And that if you stare too long into the surface, you would be unable to look away and that you would be lured to your death in the depths. Because you'd go through that, mm-hmm. that, that pathway, that doorway. Yep, exactly. Oh, my. All right. You ready for a little break? I'm ready to go visit Crater Lake. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a little break. We'll come back. Okay. All right, we are back from the break, and today we are talking about the history and mysteries of one of the Northwest's most beautiful lakes, Crater Lake. All right. In Oregon, right? In Oregon. Yes, Southern Oregon. All right, Jody, do you remember the gold rush? I, I've, I mean, <laughs> like I remember personally? hearing about it. <laughs> like you weren't personally there? I was not here in the 40, 1849, right? Or was that 19? Yeah, it was, it was the late 1840s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we've talked about the 49ers it multiple times yeah, 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 on yeah, this yeah. podcast, right? Yeah. No, nope, I don't. <laughs> remember being there i could have been in a previous life but anyway, we haven't talked I've no about recollection. past lives <laughs> no recollection <laughs> during the california gold rush of the mid 1800s a miner whose nickname was set him up set him up set him up he kept coming back into town wait is that three words or is that like set him up one word like, like set him up is one word like set him up and there's a reason for it okay, okay okay so here every time he would come back into town from a mining expedition he was just loaded with gold and so he would keep the town just liquored up so he would wander into the bar <laughs> and he would yell to the bartender it's on me set him up with a round of shots ah, so, so that's his why his name is set him up got it it's he not was, his birth name no <laughs> It's not his legal name. It's not, Mom, it's not his, his Native American name. Sit him up. Yeah, no, probably not. <laughs> so in one unguarded drunken moment, he also let slip that his mine, gold like mine. where he got gold, gotcha, <laughs> was up in Oregon and that he had a cabin up there. So he had been really close-lipped about How where he his, money yeah, like he would, up. every time he would come back into town, he was just loaded with gold and he was just like spreading it around, buying drinks everywhere, right? Somebody would finally, when he was drunk, got him to say that his mind was up in Oregon and that he had a cabin that he would stay at when he was up there. So that spring set him up, packed up, and he headed back up to Oregon and then he was never seen again. Mm. He talked too much, huh? Mm. I don't know. But also remember, this was the 1800s. Right, he could have been eaten by a bear. Exactly. Or a Sasquatch, oh, as we've established, oh, yeah, remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does a Sasquatch remote in the woods? <laughs> All right, back on topic. Oh, my God. Okay, so several of the miners in town were like, well, if he got killed by a Sasquatch or a bear, then his 
gold mine is just yeah. sitting there with nobody to mine I that gold. Need somebody to go get it. So they're like, well, let's go head up to Oregon and see what we can find. So they headed up there to see if they could find that cabin. And this was the spring of 1853 when they set out. So they never did find the cabin, but they did find something else. So one of the miners who set out from California to find this Oregon gold mine was John Hillman. And he was out hunting along a high ridge when all of a sudden the mule he was riding came to a stop and wouldn't move. He looked down and he saw that the ridge was actually the edge of a massive crater with a brilliant blue lake at the bottom. And this was the first reported sighting of the lake by white men in North America. Wow. So Set Em Up never talked about this lake. Nope. Never he mentioned did not find it. Wow. Side note about this story. This is kind of the thing that really took me down the rabbit hole in this story. I read on many websites and blogs, and I listened to at least a half a dozen podcasts where they mentioned that John Hillman died in 1853 at the rim of the lake when his mule lost footing and they slid to their death. At that moment when he first sees it? That is what all these podcasts and blogs and websites have said. But... I spent a lot of time on the Crater Lake Institute's website where they just are a repository of articles and stories, stories by the park rangers. That's the word I was looking for. Stories by the park rangers of Crater Lake and then newspaper articles. And they just a repository of that stuff. There was no mention of him dying in 1853. Well, and if we go back to what you said about like he realizes all of a sudden that this is not just a ledge and now he's looking down at this Who, crater lake and how it's do the we most know? beautiful thing that he's if ever he's seen. he's out by himself but and then he, he dies, died. Yeah. how do we know this, right? Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. I did a little bit of a search on him and I found an obituary for him in 1915 in Louisiana. Oh, he made it way And he was credited. Past. And I know this was him. Holy cow, that's well past Because 19, this obituary credited him as the man who was the white man who discovered Crater Lake. Ah, got so this it. This is not another John Hillman. This is him. So how is it that he died on the crater's edge in 1853 if he died in Louisiana in 1915? It sounds like the old... John, before he ever saw that most magnificent magnificent thing, died there on the edge, and now he's a new man. Sure. <laughs> he's reborn after well, seeing the beauty of Crater also, Lake. Also, if he died on the edge of the crater, how did he go back and tell people about the lake? Well, he's just talking about his old self. Sure. His old self died. <laughs> so there was also this story on all these podcasts where they want to make things like mysterious and spooky and ghosty about him maybe not dying there, but when he was out there. He saw a white deer with pink eyes. Oh, albino. Those do exist. They do exist. It's not that spooky. But also, in the mentions of him on any reputable sources, there was no no mention of that. So I'm going to go with he was out looking for the mine or he was out hunting. He came across the lake and he went back to his buddies and he was like, I found this cool lake. (laughs) I found this cool lake. And then, like, I feel like these other stories that are coming up with this white deer with the red eyes. And I'm like, did they have like sacrificial sites with some ceremonial markings I don't on know. trees? It's, it's just something to make it more spooky. Right. right. Cause it's, it's a lot of like the mystery. These are people that have never light. hiked and discovered something new that is just, <laughs> you don't need to, you don't need to beef it up with. Right. BS right. Cause it's just amazing. And it just, it. unfortunately it seems that, you know, I listened to like, 
like six different podcasts about Crater Lake and they all regurgitated the same story. The same exact story that I read on the internet from the same blog, like word <laughs> for word. I think what it is out there is a lot of people do really minimal research. They put in a tag word on Google. They look it up. They're like, cool. They just copy and paste. They don't look further into it. And right, right. they don't look to see if that source is a reputable source. Somebody's blog is not a reputable source. Our blog is not a reputable source. If we post something, 100%. please go and look at it because we do our best to be accurate, but we're also not academic researchers. And somebody who's been to nursing school and including graduate nursing school on how advanced research is my has been a course I've taken. It's not my passion. It's not my okay. thing. I will tell you it's very complex. It takes a lot of educa education and to understand what you're even looking at because sure. causation and correlation are not the sure. same thing and sure. they do sure feel like that, especially when you're a novice. And so uh, I would say I would never, ever consider myself an actual researcher. But no. I am a curious dabbler in yes. the history. And, yes, and, exactly. And I am not like. one of Michael Sullivan's students, <laughs> but I just hope that when my new friend, Michael Sullivan, hi, Michael, <laughs> when you listen to my podcast that you're like, oh, she was only wrong in like five things. Well, and I that's like my goal. Really, my thought is to inspire people to go do their own research and to inspire people to look closer at things in the Northwest and become more curious about where we live and what we experience and see and do in this area. We are unique uh, in this area from other areas in the United States and the world. And so I think our goal is not to be experts on everything, but to exploit every cool thing that lives out here or is been discussed out here yeah. or been created yeah. out here, whatever it is in the new Northwest. Well, that the Pacific Northwest has a really rich history for a couple of reasons. One is the gold rush, right? The right. gold rush really brought so many people here, not just from the East coast but from around the world sure i mean we've talked about it in previous episodes with the the explosion of immigrants from countries like japan and china where they came over here to either a strike it rich in the gold rush which they found pretty quickly was not really possible because those veins were mined out pretty quickly but then to provide labor for mm -hmm. the railroad the logging industry the fishing industry and the logistics etc cetera, et cetera. Yeah. and then as we learned from michael sullivan's presentation that we went to at mcminimum's the Pacific Railroad ended in Tacoma. That is why Tacoma has such a rich cultural history of immigrants because that is where the railroad ended. And that is how you got across the country in right. the late 1800s, early 1900s was the railroad. There was no cars. It was either you made a very dangerous and deadly journey by ox and wagon or horse, or you took the railroad, which would still take a long time. I'm sure it wasn't cheap. Nope. But that also brought industry here. So it was people coming here to work. And so we have this really, really rich history. But with that comes a lot of myths and legends and tales. And it is really hard if you're a, a casual researcher yeah, for yeah. like us. To discern what is real. What is and what real. Is what in, and to find it just on the internet, it's really difficult because how do you separate fact from fiction and legend from reality? So it's Absolutely. tough. So we're going to do our best. Like it, the it, legends it, are fun. It's fun to repeat them. But 
how many of them are actually based in fact. And if we can find facts that refute the legend, then we're going to present the facts as opposed to the legend. Case in point, John Hillman. Right. Who was the first recorded white man to set eyes on Crater Lake. So let's Definitely get back to that. Definitely did not die in 1853. He did not die in 1853. his obituary. From in, 1915 yeah, in yeah. Louisiana. Okay. How old was he? He must have been quite young then when he discovered this. I don't know. That was my thought too. He must have been in his 20s or 30s. That's 53 yeah. to 15 is a lot more years. Yeah. He was an old man when he died. Mm-hmm. Okay. As time marched on, Crater Lake became a focal point for scientific or exploration and appreciation. In 1902, it was established as the sixth national park in the United States. And it was showcasing the geological wonders to the world. Today, visitors from around the globe come to witness the sheer grandeur of Crater Lake and its surrounding landscapes. However, Crater Lake isn't just well known for its natural beauty. It is also the location of many mysteries over the years. And strange stories have hovered over the area like fog. Mm. I'm setting a landscape of yeah, mystery yeah. right here. Do you I'm see right, it? Do you see right, it? I'm feeling it. Okay. I feel mystery right. music in the background too. Do, 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 do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. That's probably not it. <laughs> that did not come out like I heard it in my head. <laughs> mystery, 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 mystery. Okay, here we go. One of the mysterious features of the lake is the old man of the lake. I've heard this. What is this? Tell me more. Okay. <laughs> For some reason, the name makes me giggle whenever I hear it. And this is why this has nothing to do with Crater Lake. One of my aunts, and I cannot remember if it was my Aunt Betty or my Aunt Nera, when I was little and we went somewhere where we had to wear swimsuits and one of them had pubic hair Mm-mm. hanging out Mm-mm. from around the edges of their swimsuit bottom. There used to be no maintenance in the area. And she's like, oh, it's just my old man eyebrows. Oh, my God. I just yelled in. <laughs> Shut. So does that make it her eyeball? <laughs> I, it was probably, it could have been Aunt Nera. She's hilarious <laughs> too. But my Aunt Betty was the one who used to push her dentures out and suck them back in. Oh, no, stop. And she was hilarious. Where are these aunts? I need well, to Well, Aunt Betty's dead, oh, unfortunately. God. Aunt Nera is still alive. I love you, Aunt Nera, if you're listening. If you're not, I know my cousin Rebecca is listening. I love you, Becky. I feel like Aunt Nera wasn't... <laughs> Was probably in her 30s when she told you this. Maybe 40s? That those yeah, were old man eyebrows? 40s, old man eyebrows. <laughs> so now anytime you see pubic hair peeking out from underneath a bathing suit Aunt bottom. Not, we need to delete her name. Beep her name. Why? She's still with us. Wait, she does not want to hear about her old man eyebrows. Sure she does. <laughs> I didn't say it was Aunt Nara had old man eyebrows. Oh, we I thought you with, said that. No, we were either. It was either with Aunt Betty or Aunt Nara. One of them said it. She wouldn't mind anyways. Okay, okay, okay. Well, we could. Okay. <laughs> okay, anyway. So the first written account of the old man of the lake is from 1902. Geologist Joseph S. Diller mentioned the Sun Beach tree stump floating near Wizard Island. We talked about Wizard Island. It's one of the cinder cones, right? It is a hemlock log that is over 30 feet long and floats upright in a vertical fashion. That is why it is Just weird. like always. It's not floating sideways like you would expect. It is upright. So something's Got it's it like a, a on the telephone bottom. pole sticking up from the lake. No. It just floats around? There's no anchor. No, I mean like something's uh, balancing it so it's at the bottom. Well, yeah. They have gone down and sent divers down to the base of the old man on the lake. And it had a bunch of roots that had rocks in there. But they've fallen away over the years and it's still just hanging out. So the underneath is waterlogged and the, the 
portion uh, above mm-hmm. the lake is now dried it's out. Stuck. So it's just kind of like it's, it's balanced. Like, mm-hmm. It's splintered head is about four and a half feet above the water. So it's not just a little bit hanging out. It's like a small human hanging out. Yeah, it's almost me. And this weird tree doesn't just float. It swims. It travels sometimes four miles in one day. How does it not get stuck somewhere? It's just swimming around. That's just crazy. And how long has this been around? Well, they first talked about it in 1902. It can travel for over 62 miles as it floats around the lake. So at least 120 years. Yep. It's just hanging out. That is insane. And it hasn't like rotted away. It's just stayed the same. It is also buoyant enough to support the weight of a full-grown man. Back in the 1920s, they have pictures of like full-grown men just standing on it. They don't do that anymore. But, you know, back in the 20s, do whatever. And over the last 120 some odd years, they have been no reports of it ever drifting ashore. So it just hangs out in the lake. That is that is crazy. That's why yep. I was thinking it's not dissolved. It's not got caught up on something. It's not destroyed. It hasn't gone on shore. Nobody's taken it and decided to make it like a beam in their home. Like, right. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. For over 120 years. Oh, yep. It's nuts. So the old man isn't the only mystery surrounding Crater Lake in the National Park Wizards Island. The wizard hat shaped cinder cone in the middle of the lake has stories abounding about spirits and ghostly fires. Rangers will, there's no camping allowed on Wizard Island. You can, if you have a boat, you can land there, but you cannot camp there. You cannot have a campfire there. Day use only. Day use only. So at night, park rangers will see campfires out on the island and they will go out there. And one park ranger said that as she was coming up to the island to go tell off people who had started a campfire there, she could see 10 people around that campfire. But when she got onto the island, there was no sign of people, no sign of a fire. Oh, wow. Not The fire itself is gone? Exactly. And this has happened multiple times where rangers will see a fire on the island. They go there to check it out and they can't find any sign of people or a fire. And also, visitors regularly fall off cliffs, get caught in snowstorms, crash their cars into ravines, and go missing. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's a national park. That's pretty typical, right? right. (laughs) Find one where people aren't stupid. But we're going to make it mysterious. Right, right. So... It's more fun that way. This whole thing on the uh, spirits and things, we just discussed how I'm kind of a... I'm I'm open-minded about it. I haven't made up my mind about it. And I think that there's There's a... There is an explanation for everything. We just don't know yet. So what's your explanation? Got one? What's your theory? Light. Tricks of the light. Yeah. Yeah. So when we went up to uh, San Juan Islands and did our camping and certain parts at times of the year, there's a bioluminescence that can happen. I want to see that. I've never seen bioluminescence, but I want to see it so much. Cool. It is the coolest thing in the world. And I'm wondering if there's something that could have played into that. Why do we need to have supernatural stuff? There's so much cool stuff in nature. That is supernatural to me. I mean, that to me is just It's natural. Wait, hold on. It's natural and it's super. (laughs) That's right. To me, it's super (laughs) So it's supernatural. All right. Sometimes even aircraft fall out of the sky to crash into the lake. Out of no, and not a, you say that like it was on purpose. Well, I'm trying to make it sound mysterious. Oh, so got just it, got roll it, with it, me here. It, roll okay. with me. There is a tale that I've read on many websites. Again, it was another one of these things that was commonly regurgitated on podcasts and blogs. But I was having a lot of time verifying the story. I'm not just going to take your podcast and say that that's a source or take somebody's blog and say that's a source. I've got to find mention of it in a newspaper article or on a academic website somewhere 
to say that it is actually true. The details of this story vary from website to website. So for Crater Lake information, I am relying mostly on the Crater Lake Institute's resources because... Mm -hmm. More facts. More facts. They have that record of newspaper articles that mention the lake. And that's the only reputable source I could find on this one story that is commonly referred to on podcasts and blogs. In December of 1945, so during World War II, a group of seven Grunman Hellcat fighter planes left Redding, California and headed towards Washington. So my guess was McCord Air Force Base, but there was no verification of that. I've also heard what, what other... Was, what took off? Grunman Hellcat fighter planes. And were they... What, from so, Redding, California. But what service? Were they Air Force? I don't know. Yeah. Did not say. I think it was... Because that'd be McCord. I think it was Navy. Okay, maybe. Maybe it was Air Force. I don't know. I don't have that information maybe they, here. Maybe they went to Bremer, Maybe they went to Whidbey Island. Oh, it could be that. Yes. Other sources said they were heading from Pasco, Washington to San Diego. But we don't know. It doesn't matter. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Thing. It Same doesn't thing. matter where they were going. What matters is as they approached Crater Lake National Park, the squadron rode to 22,000 feet to avoid the heavy clouds. Now, according to one of the pilots, they heard another member of the squadron say that over the radio that his external belly tank had run dry and he was switching to another tank. And that was supposedly the last time that pilot... Fuel? Is that fuel yes. tank? Yes. Mm -hmm. That was supposedly the last time the pilot was heard from. I found no other confirmation of the crash other than some stories say that seven went into the clouds and only six came out. Now... I found no other confirmation of the crash. However, in 1970, a seasonal park ranger, David Painbaker, discovered a human skull in the national park and thought it might be the skull of the pilot. Now, again, stories about how he found the skull vary. One story that appears to be told directly by this park ranger is that he was just hiking and he found it. Another story says that he actually went out looking for the crash site became lost and he sat down on a log to try to like gather himself and while he was sitting there he just looked onto the hill and there was a human skull oh wow but that was not in the story that he told the park rangers on crater lake institute so we're going with he was just out yep, for a hike absolutely. and managed to find it and and he came across a skull a skull yes mm. Investigators from the Whidbey Island Naval Air Station launched an investigation and they found the remains of the aircraft at the base of a vertical cliff face and the engine was found further on down the hill. So when, you know, a plane crashes, it doesn't just stay in one place. It sure. breaks up and it's found all over the place. And the instrument panel was found with several of the gauges missing. So... Huh. What the stories were is that other park rangers had actually found this crash site years before and not really like reported it or thought anything of it. It was just like a thing that was there. Mm -hmm. And one of the park rangers had their son and he found the instrument panel. He pulled some of the gauges out and he was going to bring them home. But then he got tired of carrying them and he just dropped them on the path. So that's why they found them like away oh, from God. it. Some sources said that the Navy had found the crash earlier, but had never found the remains of the pilot. And a piece of paper was found in the instrument panel that had the aircraft serial number. That's how they were able to identify it. And a year later, park employees found the personal effects of the pilot. So they found different pieces of the crash over years. Now, I emailed the Crater Lake Institute for more information because I was like, you guys have the most information mm -hmm. about all things Crater Lake because I was like, I can't find a reputable source on the internet except for your stuff. Now, the representative who replied said that little was made of the crash at the time it happened because the park was closed for the war at the time of the crash. So that's what I found about that Close one. to visitors, I'm assuming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So you said earlier that other planes or or planes in general will follow the sky there. I'm going to keep going. Okay. I got more. I'm going to wait. In 1961, a Navy pilot, Bill Boardman, had to eject from his plane into Crater Lake when one of the jet's fuel lines shook loose. And his Crusader jet crashed near Timber Crater, which is nearby. Boardman was fine, so he ejected into the lake. He inflated his emergency raft, and another pl- pilot that he was flying with buzzed right onto the surface of the lake to make sure he was okay. In fact, in the article, it said he buzzed maybe like 15 feet above the lake. Wow. Just to check on him. That's crazy, because yeah, that seems like some maneuvering to get down yeah. in yeah. the crater. Yeah, was a good pilot. Yeah. And then within an hour, park rangers showed up in a boat Wow, and took him to safety. In February of 1975, Dave Nunn and two 17-year-old flight students strapped themselves into a blue Cessna 182 and left Salem, Oregon to head to the Klamath Falls Airport. Now, this is another one of the spooky stories that you hear on these podcasts and Mm -hmm. online. Dave's wife, Jean, went to bed early that night and she woke up at 9.30 p.m. with a sensation of a hand on her leg. Feeling dread... She called the airport. They told her that her husband's plane had been lost to radar at 9.20 p.m. Search parties hunted for the wreckage in vain. Then, seven years later, a hiker outside of the boundary of Crater Lake National Park spotted what looked like a wreckage of a small plane with three skeletons in the cabin. It was Dave and the two boys. In Dave's wallet, they found a folded piece of paper on which he had written, Lose not thine airspeed, lest the ground rise up and smite thee. (laughs) Prophetic. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of those spooky stories. Yeah. Okay, there's one more. Good one. So in September of 1995, a helicopter heading to Las Vegas from Seattle crashed into the lake and sunk to the bottom, killing the two passengers, pilot George Causey and Edward Tullinger's Jr. Their bodies have never been recovered. Due to the depth of the lake, remember it's 2,000 feet deep, the carcass of the helicopter is still sitting on the bottom of the lake. A 2,000 survey of the bottom of the lake showed no helicopter pieces. It is sunk into the silt. Okay, got you. The cost to recover the wreckage was estimated at over $1 million in the late 1990s, (laughs) which would be close to $2 million today. And they determined that there was no longer any ecological risk to the lake for that wreckage to sit at the bottom of the lake. The jet fuel and other lubricants and oils and stuff already floated to the lake and they already had done a remediation of that stuff. So it just sitting there does nothing. Recovering it would cause ecological damage to the lake. Definitely uncovering that mm-hmm. that ecosystem. Now you'd have to destroy. exactly because mm-hmm. there is several other articles I read. There is a crazy ecosystem on the bottom of the lake of bacteria that are like these crazy bioluminescent yeah that's colonies of bacteria. Questions for you? Yeah, <laughs> I didn't get deep into that, but it looks pretty cool. It's hard for people to get down there because it's two thousand feet right, deep. Right, right, right. It's very, very deep. A twenty-seven million dollar judgment was awarded to the family of the passenger of that helicopter. By oh, the way, interesting. I found. How much? Twenty-seven million. Twenty-seven million. What year was this? Nineteen ninety-five. It took wow. like ten years for them to get that judgment. Well, let's take a little break. We'll come back. Okay. So there are also plenty of chilling stories around the lake of unexplained deaths, disappearances, suicides, and murder. Murder? True crime. (laughs) On July 4th, 
1947, an eyewitness sees a couple standing near a stone wall at the rim of the crater, looking at the lake. The man then hands his wallet to his wife, jumps the wall, slides down the snowshoot to the lake. Having only broken his leg, he then crawls to the lake and drowns himself. On September... That sounds like a lot of work to kill yourself and also not a very easy way to go. Like, right. Way to drag that out. Yes. I <laughs> question, I question the veracity of this story. Okay, well, either but the veracity it's a good is wrong story. or this person chose like the most ridiculously awful way to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not. Like in There's front worse. of people too. Right, yeah. On September 10th, 1976, a Vietnam veteran, Brian Thomas, and his wife were staying at the lodge hoping that the peace of the mountains would calm his troubled spirit. Because, you know, Vietnam vets, PTSD, nobody really took it serious. Ten years at the (laughs) VA, they were some of my favorite humans. Brian had been suffering from PTSD and depression and had threatened to take his own life already. The next morning, after a sleepless night, Brian suddenly jumped up, ran out of the lodge, and threw himself over the rim to his death. Here's another story that has been incorrectly reported on a plethora of websites. I took the time to look into it a little more thoroughly and found the actual FBI case files. Well, some of them on this case. Okay. The following details are from a letter dated March 15th, 1976 to Congressman Scott, written by a redacted person. But Congressman th- Scott is from Oregon? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think it must have been the father of the victim because just the way it was referred to in the re- letter. On January 29th of 1975, 19-year-old Charles McCuller set out to take photographs of Crater Lake. He planned to bus as far as he could, then hitchhike into the park and hike out from there. He told his family that he planned to return to Eugene on the 31st. So this is just a couple days, right? When he had not returned by February 1st, his family notified law enforcement that he was missing. The original thought by state police is that he had changed his itinerary and just hadn't told anybody. However, his family disagreed as they had always found him to be very responsible Mm -hmm. and always kept them updated on his travels. So he was, I can't remember exactly where he was from, but he was doing this whole trip and he was telling his family every day where he was. So it wasn't like they did not know where he was for several days at a time. They always knew where he was. The idea was that he had fallen victim to the elements because this was January 29th. It's the middle of winter. It's fully snow. But the young man had knowledge of the snow and snow survival techniques and very good equipment. Crater Lake officials performed flyovers and interviews with potential witnesses. One man, a logger, described giving a ride to a young man who fit Charles's description and dropped him off at the entrance to Crater Lake Park on January 30th. During the ensuing five months, the family mailed circulars to approximately 86 people who had been registered at the local Diamond Lake Lodge. The police continued to interview people who had claimed they had seen or given a ride to the hitchhiker at a time, and rescue teams scoured the area by snowmobile, skis, flying, and hiking, and no traces of the young man were found. Then, on October 13th, 1976, so two and a half years later, a little bit more, almost three years later. But not winter anymore. Year and a half later, almost two years later. Yeah, October 13th. So summer had gone through. Two hikers found a ripped and torn backpack while they were walking on a little used trail in the Sphagnum Bog area of the park. 
not far off the Pacific Crest Trail. So the Pacific Crest Trail runs very close to this. While inventorying the contents of the backpack, park rangers discovered a Volkswagen key. They compared it to a Xerox copy of the key owned by Charles McCuller, and it appeared to match. So this was probably his backpack. A horse patrol set out immediately to search the area where the backpack had been found, and McCullough's remains were found scattered over and down a steep bank of the Bybee Creek. Only tiny fragments of bone in his skull were found. The FBI was called in to investigate. His death was ruled as having been caused by natural causes, but the mystery remains how it was possible for the youth to have walked from the entrance of the park on top of 105 inches of new snow... 14 miles to the area where his remains were found, especially since he wasn't prepared for this type of winter journey and he did not have snowshoes. So he, he didn't was have just, like 17 miles worth of snow equipment to get him there. He was just going to go take pictures in the park. Yeah. He didn't have snowshoes. He was hitchhiking in. But his father remained convinced that his death was the result of foul play because his camera equipment was never found. What are the odds that he died early on and then animals took his parts everywhere? Those are probably good odds Mm. that his remains were scattered by animals. The camera probably was in. It's not yummy. I mean, they only found bone fragments. So could his torso have been dragged off by animals and his backpack still on his torso? Right. It's not like they... They're like, I'm going to pick all your clothes off and leave everything where it is and take your body. No, they're going to drag it away to wherever they can safely eat it. Is there any, his dad feels like there was foul play. Does he have people that he thinks may be involved? Like, no. is he involved? Was he involved with the, you know, drugs or gangs or no. I, I don't know, no. whatever, nothing. No, 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 no. It's, it's a case of, I think it's a case of the kid wandered too far away from established paths and wasn't prepared and got caught by the elements and his father doesn't want to accept that that's what i think it is so but once again urban legends surrounding this tragedy abound on the internet and are regurgitated by bloggers and podcasters alike the most common myth is that the remains found were shin bones still inside jeans and toe bones Still inside socks that had individual toes. You know those socks? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Toe socks. So it was just shin bones and toe bones in pants and socks. Whereas but like, the rest, but like femurs and everything else is gone. Where, yeah, where's the rest of that? However, this de- appears to definitely just be a myth. I found no mention of this on the recollection of the rangers that were involved in finding his remains. So this mm-hmm. is just a myth that was made up and is regurgitated across the internet. I don't believe that at all. 100% that is made up, in my opinion. Yeah, that that was what was found. Yes. Those only pieces. In conclusion, my opinion is that McCullen's death was an accident and that there were no mysterious toe bones <laughs> and socks found. Here's I bet an- toe socks were found with no toes. <laughs> Toe socks are, are they a Pacific Northwest thing? I know that like barefoot running with the like yeah, I have shoes. Those. Do you? Mm-hmm. I was going to get They're kind of expensive for what they are. I have two pair. Do you? Mm-hmm. You ran in there. Uh, I did. I don't run anymore. I'm protecting my joints as an old lady. Mm-hmm. And they are padded and only do uh, low impact now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> On October 14th, 1991. Glenn Allen Mackey, 33, a a mechanical engineer from Brea, California, left his car in a parking area of a 7,100-foot viewing area. A snowstorm hit the park, and rangers noticed that the car was still there after hours later. After weeks of searching, still no signs of Glenn was found. Then in September of 
2006, firefighters found skeletal remains and clothing fragments near Bybee Creek, not far from where Charles McCullen's remains were Mm. found. Shortly after the discovery, the winter's first snowfall shut down the site, so they could no longer continue the search safely. A more thorough investigation in the summer by the FBI yielded additional skeletal remains and personal property. They thought perhaps the remains belonged to Glenn, but as far as I can tell, the remains were not identified as his. So as of now, looks like Glenn is still considered missing. Here's another mysterious missing person's disappearance. All in the same area, huh? Mm -hmm. In 2006, eight-year-old Samuel Bohicki? B-O-E-H-I-K-E. Bohickey. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. Sounds right to me. Let's go with it. All right. Eight-year-old Samuel Bohickey, known as Sammy, and his father were hiking in the park on October 14th. Sammy reportedly had some neurodivergence, which made him adverse to loud noises. His father and he pulled into a pull-in above Crater Lake where there was a steep bank on one side, the lake on the other, and a dense forest above that bank. Sammy saw some yellow he thought might be gold, and he ran up the slope. As darkness approached, Sammy refused to come down. As his father chased after him, Sammy, thinking it was a game, kept running ahead. And eventually he disappeared over the top of the bank and his father lost sight of him. So after searching for quite a while, he reported Sammy missing to the park rangers and a search party was put together. Over 200 people searched 4,000 acres over the next week. Dogs were brought out. Helicopters with infrared flew over, but still no sign of Sammy. And although his parents searched for years, his remains have never been found. And is there evidence that he was ever there? Well, I mean, they have the park rangers and the father did see him. The yeah. park ranger saw him. Yeah, they were in okay. the park. Well, okay. no, the park rangers. I don't think saw him there. But his. I, I mean, I'm just thinking. I mean, maybe this is um, okay. Sure. Uh, you know, I've watched a lot of true crime, and I hate to say something about a family I don't know, but like. These kids are difficult. They can be, they can be not just difficult, but now lifelong. They sure. don't turn eighteen to move out. Could uh, this possibly. be a way to dump a kid, or not? You know, he's probably not in the park at all. But maybe he went disappearing somewhere else, and I don't know what to do now. So I'm going to say I went right. to Crater Lake with him, and he went missing, and I've never been able to find him. And no, neither has anyone else. Have you heard of the case of Natalia Grace? Oh my gosh, all of it. So I'm not finished with the whole series because they really are dragging it on in a way that's kind of annoying where I'm just like, get to the end. Yeah. And her adoptive father, Michael, is the most annoying person I've ever met in my life. (laughs) He's ridiculous. He's so dramatic and ridiculous. Every time he comes on the screen, I'm just like, oh my God, he's so stupid. But like, how does he even get married? Like, who marries this man? He is and then he's stupid. Got a, and he's got he's another, a whiny bitch. He he's, has a lady in his life. He's, he stomps out of an interview like dramatic. a little child. I don't know. so gross. I can't even. I can't even. Everything he take says. This whole situ- take Natalia Grace out of the situation. He is a disgusting human being. Add her in and he is. There's no excuse for this human being. Yeah. What do you think about that? Do you think that she is a victim? Yeah. 100%. I think she is. Yeah. I've watched all of them, including the ending to hers. So I won't, since you haven't watched that, I won't give you that. I haven't watched the end yet. I got, I got kind of tired of it because they're just dragging it on. I watched their series before and then I watched the Natalia Grace Speaks. 
Well, episodes. that's what I'm on right now because it's like the third series. It does of, kind of drag on, and he gets to be on. more dramatic and ridiculous. I just can't. He's just I, so I hate, emotional, and he's driven by his emotions, and he has no everything. He's a victim of freaking everything. You let your wife. You're telling me that you were a victim of your wife. I mean, right. grow a fucking pair. Right. Man the fuck up. Like I would have manned up to this bitch. I'd have grown a fucking pair because I got him. Right. I got labia. And <laughs> they Grow apparently. A pair of labia. Right. They apparently, I mean, men have been balls. using this grow a pair of balls thing for years. And I, I really think that's the wrong direction. No, because you obviously kick somebody in the balls, balls and, and they, they go down. But you can kick a lady in the crotch and it'll hurt, but she can still. And then she'll continue. punch you in your fucking face. Yes. <laughs> Put this Manny, family friendly, family friendly. <laughs> anyway, I think that uh, I think that she was a child. I think that she came from an orphanage where uh, she has detachment issues. She has developmental issues. As far as it's hard to tell where she's at developmentally because she's not been guided or raised within those. You know, like we would see a normal six year old because they've been raised as a one, two, three, and four year old. Five-year-old before they got to be a six-year-old, she didn't have that. She, she comes to another stable... country. She's been in five families and a orphanage by the time yeah, she gets here. How do here. you develop so normally when you've been in five different families? I've also had foster kids, so I know how. I know what it's like to think you know, and then I know what it's like to know. Yeah, what it is to take in kids who've been through some things that you weren't there for, and now they're older. And some of those things are permanent and are now going to drive the way they do things. No matter what you do, you can do some things, but you can't override all of that. I know what it's like to take in those kids and have a government or state or people help, as in a foster families, uh, Department of Family Services, are not exactly helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, When it comes to psych issues, all these things, it's like, oh, well, you're just not good at raising kids. No, this kid has a psych issue. I'm really good at raising kids. I've got some good ones, that good outcomes. So let's help this one out too. I need resources. No, that's on you. I mean, it's just, it's not an environment when you and when you adopt a troubled child you're freaking on your own yeah and there's a lot that of help that you need so I feel like as someone who's been feeling helpless in that situation like I'm going to be stuck with this for the rest of my life now and this is a psych issue and it's dangerous I did feel in danger in some instances in my in my situation so I can see where they're coming from feeling Mm -hmm. danger I don't really know this kid and now these things have happened that make me suggest this or maybe she's just difficult to take care of she also had health issues uh being a dwarf or i'm sorry uh, she had dwarfism and and with that came the need for multiple surgeries absolutely plus you don't know they develop differently right Sure, sure so all of those things like i don't know where she is developmentally because physically they development the development is different so what you expect to see and what you see are different um well and what it really comes down to though is they have had several medical professionals, including the dentist, where I think yeah, the, he dental, was stunned. the dental stunned. records are pretty definitive. Like you still have baby teeth coming in. You are not a 22-year-old I'm human being. And so absolutely stunned that they were a, able to do this. Absolutely stunned. Seven, eight-year-old, even an eleven-year-old at that time, and you stick them in an apartment. It's child neglect. My heart hurts for her. A 
she was like nine. So living any, by herself, nobody taking care of her in the middle of the right. night. B, she's disabled. She can barely get up and down those she stairs. Can't, and she can't she grip can't, anything. She can't grip anything. How is she cooking for herself? A the normal eight-year-old should not be allowed to be in that situation, right. much less somebody who has they her totally disability. just bailed on I, her. I finally got to the part where the old lady that lived in that apartment complex is like, no, she's totally mm. evil. And I was like, first off, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> Same. One doctor said that she was 20 something years old, who was a family friend and then managed right. to convince the court. Other doctors, including the dentist who had her dental record said, no, she was a child. Which so somehow she didn't was make it into court. Child. <sighs> so it doesn't matter what she said. Nope. Because it sounds like she was coached by Christine as to what to say. Yep. And yep. because she was just trying to survive, yep. she went along. And if she was physically abused by Christine, which it sounds like, then of course she's going to say whatever Absolutely. Christine says to survive. She's surviving. And she's done this since the beginning. Remember, she did. She was immediately um, dropped off by her mom because she had too many medical issues you know that she knew she couldn't take. Like she's me. constantly trying there to was, assess her situation. How do yes. I survive? And who do I become in each of those and situations what kills me to survive? They present in this documentary that family that they also have dwarfism that wanted yes. her and have kids yes what better place yes. to put her than somebody who understands what she's going right. through physically emotionally mentally societally so and they wanted her and she got along with their kids mm -hmm. why was she not placed with them yeah i, don't I wanted to understand. hear more about that they kind of just gloss over that there was some sort of um issue between the parents that had her and those parents as in um, I don't know. Something happened, but they don't like. Cover I know they don't really, really go into it. Like, why Those there was some sort like of conflict or parents, people something. who right. would understand like, the and two sets of parents may have had conflict or, or or problems, but this would have been the perfect situation for her. Yeah, I, I, it's heartbreaking to me. I think that yeah. Christine and Michael are evil human beings, and Michael can go all day long crying and having his tantrums and throwing himself on the floor and being an <laughs> idiot like he is. He is still a why, fucking adult man. Why would anybody want to an have adult, sex with that oh, man so when gross. he does that? He's like, so gross. How does that not just I, give your lady boner a big floppy I, one? Like, I, I become... Oh, I just want to fucking kick him. Like, you piece of yeah, shit. Yeah, while you're like, groveling on like the floor. You, it turns me almost into this kick you in, like, almost savage. Violent. Yes, I become like a like a savage human. Like, like you want to shake him, right? You want to No, I literally want to just kick him in his face. Sure. He is so about himself. He has no... And then he drives he, off in like his little sports car. Miata. And, and having a tantrum. Yeah. A tantrum speed off. He's such an idiot. Okay, let's... We got to get back to this. Yeah. We can't talk. But yeah, I feel bad for her because I feel like there's a lot going on. I feel bad for those parents because there are no resources. But holy shit. Holy shit. Yeah. Holy shit. That's a lot. Like, I get why you wanted to do that. Don't think for a minute I didn't come up with a million things I wish I could do so I could get out of the situation that I felt like I was in. But at no time would I have gone uh, gone and put any child in that kind of situation to free myself from a decision yeah. I made. Yeah. I made that decision. Yeah. She yeah. and he made that decision to adopt this little girl. And then instead of seeing it out, no matter what it took, they did that. Well, and like they, where I'm at too, they're like, it doesn't matter if that person becomes legally an adult. If they have a disability, mm -hmm. they are a dependent. Right. So then it just, it failed on them, which is hilarious. All right. Let's keep going here. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. We are still talking about Crater Lake 
And it's mysteries. Mysteries. Okay. So I can't wait to go investigate on my own. It's going to be exciting. Because in true Pacific Northwest fashion, there have also been multiple Bigfoot and UFO sightings near shut the it. lake. Shut, well, shut up. Are, are there any combos? Because there was, you know, when we talked about Bigfoot before, there was a theory that these are alien. I don't have any combos. Okay. Because okay. none of it's real. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go on. What? I'm going to go on. All right. In the early 1970s. Okay. Lodge like facility manager. You're the early 1970s. Seventy-two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lodge facility manager Glenn Happel was getting ready to close things up for the day, and he stepped outside to observe the bright fall afternoon. That is when he noticed a bright, shiny object straight across Crater Lake from where he stood, appearing to be just above the tree line. As he watched, the object moved towards him at about the speed of a single-engine airplane. Glenn could now tell the object was round, with no visible wings, and made no sound. But just like a light? Well, I mean, I don't know. I'm just reading. He said the he said. object, bright light object. Like it's just a light orb of light coming. It was at a you? bright, shiny object. Oh. No wings. As the object passed directly overhead, Glenn estimated that it was about twenty-five to thirty feet in diameter, with a metallic underside with no obvious rivets. Glenn didn't tell anyone about the sighting. However, the story doesn't end there. About two weeks later, again around closing time, he looked up and saw the round object again. This time it was faster and dipped below the rim as it cruised across the lake before shooting up and disappearing over the tree line. Sounds like a UFO to me. Aliens. Aliens. But I bet it was driven by a Bigfoot. Oh. In October of 2017, an unregistered aircraft moving at very high speeds over Northern California was causing havoc as baffled pilots radioed in reports of an unidentified flying object. Radars were alerting air traffic controllers to the mystery object as well. The craft was eventually tracked by airline pilots as it made its way over Crater Lake. F-15 fighter jets were scrambled from Portland to investigate, but the object mysteriously vanished in the late 1970s when frida was a popular name i guess that's terrible. you're lucky your oh name God, isn't I frida been, i could have been frida <laughs> i'm sorry to all the fridas out there okay so frida hayes and her younger brother were at a campground not far from medford so it's not exactly crater lake but it's close to it so after setting up camp they decided to walk around As they were walking through the woods, they heard a thud, like a small rock crashing into the trees. Startled, they began looking around for whomever threw the rock at them. A second rock whizzed through the trees at them. They then saw a figure standing at the edge of the tree line. It was dark and human-like, looking right at them. As they watched, it crouched down as if trying to hide in the vegetation. However, they could still see its head and shoulders, so it wasn't very good at hiding. Yeah. It's kind of dumb. It's kind of like a toddler hiding. (laughs) Just closed its eyes. Yeah. (laughs) If I can't see you, you can't see me. I'm hiding behind this tree that's half my size. (laughs) It's like Larry hiding behind Lola. (laughs) Which he has done. Frida and her brother also crouched down. And as they continued to watch, the figure stood up, then crashed down again. (laughs) Just imagine like... Up and down and up yeah, and right. down. Derp, 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 derp. 
Peekaboo. <laughs> judging, <laughs> judging from the surrounding trees, Frida estimated the figure was seven to eight feet oh, tall. Definitely, definitely a Bigfoot. Absolutely. It had an evenly dark colored hairy body, uh-huh. but didn't seem to have not, much of a neck. Uh-huh. Sounds about right, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Then a sort of game ensued. When Frida and her brother crouched, the figure would stand. When they stood up, it would crouch. This went on for several repetitions until finally the people started to move away. They brought some family members back to the area, but the creature was gone and they found no tracks in the hard pack beneath the trees. In early June of 1976, Chief Park Naturalist George Morrison, an experienced ornithologist and nature observer. What's an ornithologist? Is it a bird person? Is that a bird? No, for some reason expert? I thought that was dinosaurs, but I'm going to look it up. Well, that's, wouldn't that be a paleontologist? <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> I think ornithologist is like fancy for you're really into birds. Fancy or official? <laughs> you're a bird expert. Fancy? Me? No. I'm you not. and your goddamn fucking fancy bird expertise. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm really. I am not an expert in anything. So I, am I just not feel a bird free expert. To shit on everybody as an I expert. Just, I'm sorry. I like. I didn't go to school. <laughs> I didn't go to school. She she is Amish and only made it to eighth grade. I mean, practically, I was homeschooled for a while. Oh gosh, did not know. Hey. But, but knowing your mom, I don't think that's a. Um, that's just a. That's a bonus. I don't know. I was left to educate myself for quite a bit. I did get an AA degree. I have an AA degree, I'll have you know. Did you know nurses can get an AA degree? So that's not bad. I mean, that's like a full degree. Ornithologist is a bird nerd. It is a career. An ornithologist is a career. An ornithologist is someone who studies ornithology. (laughs) Thank you. It's helpful. (laughs) We'll get there someday. You'll find out what this is. The branch of science devoted to birds. Beards. You were right. You were right. Birds. Okay. So George Morrison... Beard nerd. Beard nerd. Beard nerd. Beard nerd. I'm sorry, George Morrison, who you're probably dead now. But uh, anywho, he said in 1976 that he saw a large creature-like Bigfoot or Sasquatch cross a road at dusk and head into Annie Creek Canyon. He stated that the creature took only four steps to cross the road. And although he could not find any footprints, he was shaken by the experience. What I've noticed about a lot of these Bigfoot stories are canyons. Is there from the 1970s? Oh, and they like canyons. <laughs> like, why do they want to go in the canyon? They like Ape Canyon? Ape Canyon. Ooh. There's several, like, weird canyon stories. They like can Oh, well, and from our Bigfoot porn episode, which you could get as a bonus episode if yep. you become a Patreon when we have yep. a Patreon. A uh, they paid really member like- of service, you get the extra episode. And it is <laughs> rich with bad information. <laughs> And they really rich like with, canyons. Ooh, it's rich with fire hoses. <laughs> God, okay, we got to stop there. We're, we're trying to make this podcast. We're we discussed, serious. We discussed prior we're to this. We're serious, family po- friendly history podcast. Authentic. We want to be. <laughs> that was when we were incredible. First polish. <laughs> and then we sat down to the mic and shit came out. <laughs> Clearly, we're trying to be somebody we're not. <laughs> Why are we fighting who we are? I mean, how I have to tie my hairs up. I don't fight shit. I just go with it. Five years later, park visitor Roger Wade reports seeing a Sasquatch cross the road about 50 yards in front of him near Ann's Spring. 
or Annie Spring. He says that it was about six feet tall with light brown and cinnamon hair. Okay, was it female or a baby? I mean, that could just... That's small. That could also just describe your husband. Right. That's true. That's totally (laughs) Keith. Actually, that was Keith last week before I made him shave. Like, he looked like that. If Keith just streaked before you shaved... And you were far enough away. I shaved his back. He shaved his face. He totally would have fit the fit the description. <laughs> the next piece of my note says, and maybe these sightings were just hairy park rangers pranking people, <laughs> which I more believe. Oh, you know what? If I was out there, that's exactly what if I'd you be were doing. Keith, That'd be my hobby. If you were, if Keith was a park ranger, yes. you know he would do that. A for total sure. hobby, especially if there's kids in the area. For oh sure, gosh, they'd have their own absolutely. Bigfoot sighting. They'd be talking about yes, it forever. 100%. Okay, here we go. The final Crater Lake mystery I want to speak about is the 1952 murder of two United Motor Service executives. And United Motor Service was a subsidiary of General Motors. Okay. The two men, Charles Colhane from Detroit and Albert Jones from San Francisco, were touring Jones's sales area and decided to do a little fishing with some other business associates and made a stop at Crater Lake along the way. Later that afternoon, their associate came into the park to meet the men and found their 1951 Pontiac sedan sitting at the side of the highway at the Annie Creek Canyon viewpoint. The right front door was open and the keys were in the ignition. Their luggage and camera were still in the car. The man put his hand on the radiator and it was still piping hot. He figured they had just wandered off for a few minutes, but after an hour of waiting, they put the man who found the car, Eberlin, his 13-year-old son, Alan, in the Pontiac to wait and they went to find a ranger. So first off, they put a kid in the car that might also be a crime scene. Just want to say. The boy said that as he waited... Another car came into the viewing area, but then peeled out when they saw that there was someone in the Pontiac. He thinks, to this day, that that was the killers coming back. Oh, okay. As authorities investigated, a trail crew combed the woods for the missing men. A 17-year-old farm worker discovered the bodies of Culhane and Jones in a wooded area about a quarter mile from the highway. Both men's dentures were in their front pockets. Weird. Oh, what were they doing? Is this perfect mill? Well, some of the <laughs> things that I listened to said because they were they were found gagged. Oh. So gotcha. the thought is is that whoever gagged them maybe didn't intend to kill them initially. And so they maybe had feared that their dentures would cause them to choke when they gag them. So let them take their dentures out and they just put them in their front shirt pockets. That was a theory, right? Okay. Their shoes were missing, but their socks were clean. So they took their shoes off, but didn't go anywhere since go there anywhere. Cash and watches were missing. Both men had single bullet wounds to the head and bruised groins. So they had both been kicked in the groin. So the thought was they were gagged, put on their knees, fought, and they were kicked in the groins for fighting. So they were gagged with their own undershirts and ties. So they were found with, they were gagged with their undershirts, but then their regular like button down dress shirts they were wearing. The suspects were like trees in a forest. There were plenty of them and no one had a clue. While there have been many suspects and even some arrests, the murderers were never found. Over the decades, there were numerous whodunit theories from East Coast mob hits to labor union disputes to notorious California killers, even a nine-fingered man. What? 
However, oh, nine out of so missing one. Yes, not nine on one hand. I know that's what I always say. Nine fingers. You're like nine on. How do you do that on one hand? That's not an extra. <laughs> that's a few. However, most likely suspects were John Wesley Cole and Kenneth Moore. Both men had a history of violent assaults, robbery, and even murder. However, both men were found frozen to death in 1962. So you can't. Few, few years later. Them. So over 70 years later, the murder remains unsolved and the mystery continues. Or maybe it was aliens. I think it was Bigfoot. <laughs> Could be. Oh, wait, <laughs> an alien Bigfoot. An alien Bigfoot. Exactly. Crater Lake is kind of like an intergalactic crime scene, right? Right, right, right. <laughs> There's all sorts of things happening there. Exactly. <clears throat> well, so- I mean, it is a unique kind of even how it got created. I know. There's I mean, so many just, legends around it. Yeah. It's just ripe for this. And that's a wrap. I really fell into a bottomless rabbit hole on this one. It was really fun, but it was frustrating as I sorted the facts from the legend. And here is my biggest takeaway. Crater Lake National Park is huge and it's the wild. You need to be prepared if you're going to hike there because things can go wrong. And if you were there just to look at the blue mystery of the lake... For God's sake, stay behind the barriers and away from the rim. They are there for your safety. Uh, No selfies on the other side. It is a long (laughs) way down. And you don't know what you might find there in the woods. Maybe Sasquatch. Maybe aliens. Okay, maybe that would inspire people to do those dangerous things, though. So we got to... But maybe it's just judgy squirrels. Could be. (laughs) I bet there's a bear or two that really wants the taste. Oh, You better stay where people are. Whether you're a nature enthusiast, a history buff, or simply seeking a moment of serenity, Crater Lake offers an unforgettable experience. I do have a couple questions for you. Yes. I may not be able to answer them. Okay. So. uh, Remember, I am am no Michael Sullivan. I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep bringing it. I'm sorry, Michael. (laughs) One quick question. Um, You know, Lake Powell's gone dry in Nevada. Oh. All those things are happening. I've swam in Lake Powell. Oh, now you can just walk across. Are the host houseboats <laughs> they all just sitting on the bottom? Yeah, you can yeah, they found lots of cars and bodies. <gasps> um and cars with bodies. <gasps> um but has Is that Lake Powell or Lake Mead? Oh shoot. That was Lake Mead. Lake Mead was the big one in the last couple of years that was they were it finding It might be Mead. But it could be both because they're both south and Arizona's running out of water. I can't imagine why else I'd know about Lake Powell. To my relatives and or friends that live in Arizona, do you know that they're going to run out of water and it will be uninhabitable in the next No, there's aquifers. There's aquifers that are going to feed them forever. Ask any real estate agent. (laughs) Can we talk about Rancho Verde who ran out of water in like 2020 or 2021? No aquifer. A like super (laughs) fancy neighborhood. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I saw that on uh, Better Call Saul, but that was in New Mexico. Anyway, so has... Wait, are you basing your facts upon the <laughs> fictional series oh, spinoff from not Breaking real? Bad, Better Call Saul? <laughs> that's not real. <laughs> uh, yes. Holy crap. Oh, that's okay. both good series. Okay. Um. Anyway, but my question is, the water, has it gone down? Is that Are we in fear of that place in, you know, going dry at any time? I'm suspecting it's high enough, no. But if it's only fed by... You know, no seasonal. <laughs> no, you know, no answer. Okay. And then the other thing, are there any, you know, healing or that's under ash, right? If there's all that ash on the bottom, um, is there anything that comes from that 
with any special healing powers or people go there for any special reasons beyond it's different. the klamath importance of the lake i have no idea but i'm sure there are a lot of people who really are into like crystals and shit yeah yeah that are like <clears throat> let's sure. go there yeah sure and then, i mean it's a place that you could certainly have a spiritual connection with nature if that's your if that's your vibe and then but um, i don't know of any scientific and you know i'm all about the scientific evidence right right when are we going there? <laughs> so, hey, dear listeners, we have a huge favor to ask of you. This week, this is homework. Can you please share the podcast with at least one person? And I'm talking about send them the link directly, not just be like, you should listen to this podcast. Literally, like, I'm going to send you a link for a podcast you should listen to right now. There's a little, there's a little square with an arrow, upright arrow. We're and, gonna, and that is what you want to push, and it's well, going to ask you, who do you want to send this to? We and are that gonna is who you're going to put the link in the show notes. Yes, yes. Very easy. You click on the episode, there are show notes. The link will be in there. Or if you are on Spotify, you already have the link to it. You can just go to the Spotify thing, hit the three little dots, send it. So send it to somebody. Share the link with just one person who you think would find this and look, interesting. if you are related to either of us like most of it you is are. your familial duty to if share you it love me at all if you care about me at all or my friends i've supported you i'm sure you know who you are do i need to call you out by name is your name Erin ramirez is your name mark stubbs yeah everyone <laughs> is your name erica white <laughs> Okay, wow. I, I'm not going to go You're just calling out your friends directly. <laughs> I'm not going to go I mean, through. I'm going to call Aaron my friend too, but like you're just calling them out. <laughs> Is your name also Shay? <laughs> yeah, I'll call that one my friend. Too. I'm not going to go through the names of all my friends because then we'd be here for another half an hour because mm -hmm. I have so many friends. <laughs> That's true. Shay's <laughs> popular. Are you related to me? That's Are me. you my cousin? That's me. That's where all I got 50 people listening that are related. Is your name Rebecca or Claudel and you're related to me somehow how, how through about, Aunt Nera? How about Tristan and Emily out, oh, in, hey out in Virginia? Calling you out. Yeah, Tristan and Emily out in Virginia. Why don't you send it back this way, though? Anybody you know out here, anybody out there, that's fine too. Maybe they're curious about the Pacific Northwest and they want to hear about it. And then also, you can follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or wherever. So hit that little subscribe or follow button. So if you can do those things to help us out, we would really appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, we will see you guys next week with another great episode of Rainy Day Rabbit Holes, the podcast, and see you down the rabbit hole.